Welcome back to the Desert Springs Church Podcast. It exists to supplement the ministry and growth of the body at Desert Springs Church. My name is Drew. I'm the music guy. I'm Chase. I'm the theology guy. Email guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, conference guy. Yeah, kind the, of the party, the party planning committee. Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm the arts and crafts department head of the party planning committee, Chase Jacobs. On our first episode, we discussed how Desert Springs Church is trying to still be a church and practice social distancing. And part of that for us was a pre-recorded service, including songs and sermon, that we would release on Sunday as a resource for families to worship together and to gather in their homes. So we touched on the topic in our first episode, but we thought we would take another episode to drill down even further on this idea of family worship, or as we're calling this episode, the church at home. Yeah, Drew, I'm really excited to be talking about this topic with you. This this whole idea of family worship is still relatively new for me, and I'm trying to figure it out. I have learned a lot from you personally about what our vision for family worship should be what a success in family worship look like. So maybe let's just start there. Drew, what is family worship? So the definition that I've always used is a regular family gathering of reading, praying, and singing. That's it. Three simple elements, read God's word, pray together, and sing together. How often is that happening? For us, it's every night that we are home together at seven o'clock. We shut down the house, we shut off the screens, we put away the toys, Me, my wife, my five kids, who are 11 years old to three years old, we sit on the couch, we read, we sing, and we pray. You know, what's so interesting to me is that to some people, maybe even most people listening, that would sound extreme. That would sound very unusual. What I was surprised to learn is that this practice of family worship or family devotionals, whatever you want to call it, was actually really common. This was almost just expected that every dad would be leading his family in this kind of worship, at least since the time of the Reformation. And it's only within the last few decades, maybe the last century, that this practice has actually dropped off. But it's to the point now where I think for most people, this is a this is an entirely new idea for them. But this was not the case with your family. Right. And I would argue that it goes back all the way to the Old Testament in yeah. Genesis when God calls Abraham to teach his children. And in Deuteronomy, when we have the Shema or Deuteronomy 6. So for me, growing up, we did the same thing. We would gather regularly at night before bed in a uh, end-of-the-day routine with God's Word. We would read it. We would sometimes act it out. We would sing it. We would pray it. It was profoundly formative for me. I truly believe that I came to embrace and understand the gospel during our family worship times. I can still remember it. We were doing a study on creation, and in my own young mind, I realized the size of God, the holiness of God, the power of God, the control of God in His creation. And in my own way, I couldn't articulate it like this, but I knew that I wasn't right with this God and that I needed to be reconciled to this God. And so I was broken down. Parents were counseling me, and my dad shared with me the gospel on how we can be reconciled to the God of the universe who made me and the world and everything in it. And that wasn't in a a church service on Sunday morning. That wasn't at youth camp. Not that these are are bad things, but uh, just this idea of the family and of parents being the primary disciple makers, the first 
uh, the, the front wave of God's evangelistic work for the next generation is, is through parents teaching the word to their children. Yeah, I've put it this way. Parents are the primary agents that God uses in the work and salvation of their kids. And I was at church every time the doors were open. Mm. And we were Southern Baptists, so they were open a lot. <laughs> but no, it was during family worship. And I also believe that I learned how to sing and pray, listening to my parents pray, listening to my older sister pray, hearing their prayers helped inform my prayers and helped inform my understanding of what prayer is and can be. Wow. So, what I love about this is that we're not we're not asking for a lot, right? We're asking, like you said, three simple things, read the Word, pray, sing some songs. That's right. Even when you're reading the Word, how long should, if, if, if a dad has never done family worship before, what would you recommend he sit down and do? How long should he read the Bible? Should he have a devotional prepared? Should he have been doing a lot of study? Should he have written out a sermon? I think this is what many men might be envisioning in their head as they hear this. Absolutely. Yeah, many are terrified or feel underqualified to prepare, like you said, a devotion or a, a, a little mini church service mm-hmm. for their families every night. I never prepare for this. It needs to be simple and sustainable and reproducible night in and night out. So, I would say, if you've never done it, just open your Bible. If you have younger kids, maybe start with narrative. Maybe start with gospel narrative and and read because they can follow along with narrative a little bit better than different types of, of biblical literature. Start with a narrative. Read five, ten minutes the most. Uh, read a chapter a night. Start in Matthew. Read a chapter. Talk about that chapter. Whatever whatever comes up in that chapter, that's the the soil for the conversation that you're going to have and that you try to cultivate with your kids. You read that chapter. Pray something maybe that was in that chapter. And I'm thinking Matthew one. You have the genealogy of Jesus, and we can just thank God for how He brought brought salvation through generation after generation after generation after generation. You can talk to your kids about. You can tell your kids, and they'll tell their grandkids, and they'll tell you their kids, and and generation after generation will commend his works to another. And you can thank God for that. You can pray for other generations, future generations, and then you can sing, sing a, a song. And for us, that that's something. As a music guy, a lot of people look at me kind of yeah. Cross. You, you yeah. get out the acoustic guitar and you're singing They're, your yeah, seven part harmonies. Sure, or? they think. Well, of course, you're doing singing. It's easy for you. Um, but I put them at ease because we only sing a cappella. Hmm. I don't get out my guitar. I don't get out the piano or anything. It's, we keep it simple, just voices. And we sing just a verse or two of a hymn or two that my kids know. And so, we're, we're building our repertoire as a family. And since my kids were young when we started, we didn't have hymnals, I didn't have lyric sheets, I didn't have nothing. We would just sing the first verse of Amazing Grace. We would sing the first verse of How Great Thou Art. We would sing the first verse of Rock of Ages. And then you build this hymnody within your family, and now my kids know dozens of hymns that we just sing from memory. Now as they're, they're growing and the older kids can read, we can start incorporating hymnals we could have, or I throw up the lyrics on the TV screen. I just airplay them to the TV sometimes, and our kids will follow along that way. Um, But we sing just a verse or two of a couple of songs, and we sing it a cappella just to emphasize the voices and emphasize the simplicity of it all. I would say in our own family, we've got a three-year-old daughter, the only kid that we have. We've got another one on the way uh, who also participates in family worship. Um, But our three-year-old, yeah, we, we even see this time as beyond 
helping her understand the word, although we hope that seeds are being planted. We're just trying to teach her the discipline of sitting still when the Bible's being read, which is we hope will translate to that Sunday morning gathering, that she'll be uh, well-behaved and join us as a family in church on Sunday morning. But we, like you said, we started through Matthew. Um, We're about to be finished with Matthew. We usually read about a half a chapter a night, sit down. It's just right after dinner's done. We we grab the Bible, and I'll read half a chapter, and then Evie will sit patiently. As soon as I'm done, she said, okay, what happened? And she wants me to paraphrase it for her. It is a narrative, so I can kind of explain the, the main characters. She's learning some things. Um, I don't expect that a lot of it's sticking, but she's learning that rhythm. She's learning that discipline, and she's really just waiting until we sing the songs. She loves that. We do. I'm not, uh, I'm not a musician, so uh, we grabbed a hymnal a long time ago, just an old Baptist hymnal. We stuck sticky tabs on all the songs that we actually knew the melodies for by heart. And we just sit around and and we just read those words out of that hymnal and we'll sing. Sometimes we'll sing as many as four, you know, maybe not the whole song, but that's, that's our kids' favorite part is, is sitting around and singing those songs. Oh yeah. Mine, mine too. They, they always have suggestions on the tip of their tongues. When I ask what songs they would like to sing, they all start spitting out their favorites. Yeah. And you mentioned discipline and sitting still and, preparation for gathering as a church and sitting still. I think that's one of the the main fruits of regular family worship is the training and cultivating in your kids the ability and the desire to sit still for extended periods of time and listen to God's Word and engage with God's Word. I think we've lost that as, as a culture and maybe even as a church culture. As parents, we have abdicated our responsibility as the primary means of instructing and raising our kids in the love and instruction of the Lord. Right. And we've abdicated that to other people, to our Christian schools, to our churches, because doing this regularly is hard work. Mm. Now, fortunately, my kids are all so well-behaved, they never disobey, and they always sit still. I, and know, never... you, I know your kids. <laughs> yeah, so it's been a battleground yeah. and a venue for discipline just like the dinner table is for us. I think we've lost a bit with with not uh, eating dinner together as families. Um, and if you don't do that, I would highly recommend starting gathering as a family, all sitting together. But this is a is an is another venue to to instruct your kids and to train them in discipline. And man, it is messy and it is difficult. And sometimes I go away from our family worship times so frustrated that my kids aren't perfect little obedient angels that just love and respond. And I've heard Don Whitney say, uh, who's written a lot about family worship, and we'll reference him probably more. He, he said he would go away from family worship, never feeling like the Spirit descended and they just had this moment of Shekinah glory coming down <laughs> upon them and, and every one of your kids was, was saved. Um, but it was, the, it was the regular habit and cultivating, I'll use that word a lot, of tilling the soil for the seeds of the gospel that are being planted in the hearts of our kids. And we don't even know. You mentioned your three-year-old. You don't know what they're getting. Sometimes they'll surprise you with how much they're getting. It's so true. I asked my kids last night, kids, what have you learned from family worship? From our, we call them Bible time. From our Bible time. And my seven-year-old was the first one to speak up, and he said, not to talk too much, <laughs> which I laughed thinking uh, that, that, that kind of took, uh, I had two senses to that, that answer. One was, 
yeah, I tell them not to talk a lot because daddy's talking and I'm reading the Bible or we're trying to focus on a conversation and they're just interjecting, right, all their little thoughts. So, there's that. But also, he, he tried to explain it and he was getting at the proverb because we read proverbs a lot. Ah. And the proverb of not using too many words, the fool is known by as many words. So, And then there were other really sweet answers. My six-year-old said, we've learned about prayer and our kids have brought up catechisms. And uh, so there were there were many there were many fruits even in my messy family. Uh, so it's worth it. Yeah. It's worth it. Stick with it. Keep it simple and keep it up. Keep doing it. Uh, it is so worth it. Now, Chase, let me ask you: What if you're a dad listening to this, and you have teenage kids or even older kids, and you've never done this? Yeah. And you feel just crushed by the weight of maybe guilt, embarrassment, shame. Whatever it is, yeah. How how should you respond if you're that dad right now? Yeah, I mean there are so many areas in our life where that can be true. We're just out of a sense of shame and maybe of pride, not wanting to admit that you've done something wrong. You avoid doing what you ought to be doing. I would say repent. Um, we've mentioned Donald Whitney. He's a professor at Southern Seminary. He's written a number of books about this. One of them is uh, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, which has a chapter on family worship. He's got a shorter book uh, called Just Family Worship. We can put links to those in the show notes. Um, but, but he was really fond of saying that, man, if you have not been doing this, the hardest thing is just starting. So sit down with your family and, and maybe even repent in front of them, confess to them that you have you've failed here. You have not been doing what God has asked you to do as the father in your home and ask for their forgiveness and start. And it might feel a little funny. It might be a little awkward, but you just kind of plow through that awkward. And before you know it, it becomes a rhythm. It becomes a routine and it becomes something that your family begins to look forward to. That's good. That's encouraging. And before anyone reacts and says, well, we're being too legalistic or too harsh. This where where in the Bible does it say that you have to have family Bible time every night at seven o'clock? Right? We're not saying that. But I would ask that person or that father, how are you honoring the command to raise your children in the love and instruction of the Lord? How are you honoring Deuteronomy six? How are you honoring Joshua twenty two when they when they built an altar, not for sacrifice, but just so future generations would know that they serve the Lord. So there's this idea that we build an altar in our home so that this this regular structured time, so that future generations will know the Lord. So how can fathers honor that? What better way than to spend time in God's Word, singing and praying and reading regularly with your family? So we've mentioned a couple of resources, Chase. What are some other good tools for parents to be using for their family worship times. Yeah, we've made uh, a great use of catechisms. Um, If you're not familiar with the catechism, it is really an ancient practice. It's a question and answer format meant for parents to instruct their children, and it's really meant to be memorized. And so, we love the New City Catechism, which was produced by Tim and Kathy Keller. We Um, use that as well. It's got great... uh, What we like about it is there is um, songs that go with all of the questions. And so, you can download the songs for free. They've got an app, and it is. It's just 
questions. What is God? God is the creator of everyone and everything. And it is amazing to me. My daughter can rattle off these songs. Um, she has no idea what some of the words mean, but she knows uh, She knows these questions. She knows these answers. And we trust that later they're going to sink in and, and she'll know what we're talking about. So I would definitely commend catechisms. And then there are other resources. If, um, if maybe parents, you feel like your knowledge of the Bible is not sufficient, that that maybe you're new to studying the scriptures as well, maybe make use of a good devotional guide. Maybe make use of um, some other uh, studies, Bible studies that are out there that are even geared towards children. There's a lot online. There's a lot... um, a lot of those that we can recommend to you, even our youth minister, Caleb, is putting together a family resource guide that's right. that's, uh, that's meant, you know, I think for families with middle school, high school students, especially in mind, but those are available. We're putting those up as he's writing those, especially in this time where we're all sequestered in our houses because of coronavirus. But that's just going very slowly. It's an inductive study through Romans. There's lots of other resources that you can make use of, even uh, if you've just been doing it for a while and you're trying to freshen things up, just finding a good guide to go through. Caleb's resource and others went out in an email that Ron sent to the membership. Also in that email was a family resource guide from our children's pastor, Tim Bradley. Had several links, and several of them, I think, were to Don Whitney, uh, catechisms. What about the use of storybook Bibles? Have you guys used them? Yeah. Or yeah, yeah. Benefited we've, from we've them. We've got we've got a few that we've really um, enjoyed the uh, the Jesus Storybook Bible by Sally Lloyd Jones. Um, that's a classic. Makes me cry sometimes because mm-hmm. she just does such a good job of connecting, especially Old Testament stories to Jesus. Kevin DeYoung's got another great one, The Biggest Story, that's uh, kind of more of a biblical theology of this plan of the gospel that was from Genesis 3 all the way mm-hmm. to to the end. So it kind of captures the whole Bible in one 10-chapter story. It's wonderful. Here's a plug. Uh, my good friend and mentor, Jeremy Pierre, is writing a children's Bible right now, illustrated by another friend of mine. I'm actually helping him do the typesetting, the graphic design on that. So that should be coming out relatively soon. So be looking forward to that. But I've read that, and it's one of my favorite children's books, children's Bibles. Oh, that's uh, great. Yeah. Look forward to that. My three-year-old's favorite book is Kevin D. Young's ABC version of his storybook Bible. But he absolutely loves that book, and he has torn it up. (laughs) He's torn it up both in good and bad ways. (laughs) Another resource that our family has really benefited from is the Bible Project. Oh, totally. They are brilliant videos, illustrations, and animations of book overviews, word studies. Doctrinal studies, biblical theology These guys are killing it. So if you don't know the Bible Project, look it up on YouTube. Watch one with your kids. My kids are enthralled by the animation and the storytelling that these guys do. And we have really, really enjoyed it. Some other resources in regards to music, if you feel musically challenged as a parent and you don't have anyone in your home that can play the piano this, or pick you're out describing a melody, my family right now this is or if you haven't grown up in church and you don't have a hymnal in your head one you mentioned chase is the new city catechism has songs attached to each question and answer and as a musician and songwriter those songs can be a bit painful but yep. they are useful and they stick in your head so use that to help your kids learn those catechisms. But if you just want to sing in general, Sovereign Grace Music has a few kids' albums that I think are really well done, scripture-based songs. Another is Seeds Family Worship. We love that one. So they're just verbatim scripture songs, and they're really well done. And then Desert Springs actually has 
uh, several VBS recordings of our VBS songs and arrangements. And if you just want to email me, I'll get those to you. And that can help help you guys sing in your car, as you're driving, as you're walking, as you're in the park, um, as you, when you're at home, and for your family worship times. So uh, utilize those good resources. And finally, the most important resource that we all have if we are in Christ is we have His Word and we have His Spirit. Amen. And that's ultimately all you need to be able to lead your family in good family worship. That's right. This is God's plan for instructing the next generation in the way of the Lord. And He's used it for thousands of years. That's right. You're not going to screw it up. So, Chase, what if you have really young kids or no kids? Yeah. This is something that I at least tried and largely failed to implement before we even had kids because I knew that that was the role that I was going to play as kind of the pastor in my home. Um, so I, I would try to read with my wife. I would try to pray, uh, even tried to sing at times. It was excruciating, um, but, but we tried. Are we basically talking about spiritual disciplines That's in right. the home? Yeah. On some regular basis. Every Christian would fully embrace that we should be reading our Bibles, praying. That's right. I think the family dynamic of it, it might throw people, or the singing part of it might throw people. Yeah. But believers uh, are commanded to sing, not just corporately, yeah. but privately. Yeah. Many Psalms talk about David and the other psalmist singing to the Lord in the, the late hours of the night when they're alone on their bed. They cry out to the Lord, they sing. So I think it's never too early to start good habits. That's right. And good spiritual habits. Yeah, even when I was a single guy, for the reasons that you said, I, I kind of made that a discipline, especially when I would go on walks or on hikes uh, through the woods, I would sing hymns. And um, one thing that really blessed my family was when we, when our daughter was born, um, we got that same hymnal that we use now. I just grabbed a hymnal because I didn't want to sing Rockabye Baby over and over again Ugh. to my screaming infant. So we we just tapped those hymns and we would sing hymns. And it was a way to, because what are hymns? are a way to bury God's truth in your heart. It's a way to dwell on God's word. And so we would sing these hymns. And as we're up at three in the morning losing it, we can sing songs about how mm. God is holy, 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 and and just be encouraged by that. And so that was a way that we started incorporating singing into our family from the literally the day that, our, that we brought our daughter home. That's powerful. Brother, and you don't know yet, and you won't until we're in glory, the eternal fruit that all of that, those sleepless nights, those those little uh, late night hymn sings that mm-hmm. you guys would do, you don't know the effect and the power that they will have. And if you have young kids, now is the time to start these habits. We are just habitual people. We, we run on rhythms and structure. And this image sticks out to me. Somebody said it this way. I can't remember. But a sapling can be shaped can be bent, mm. can be moved. But once it's a full-grown oak, it's stuck. Mm. It's there. Yeah. Right? Rigid. Do it now. What are some prayers that we can be praying uh, for our body, for our fathers and mothers as they seek to lead their families in this way? Yeah, Drew, just as um, coronavirus crisis is continuing, we don't know 
how things are going to look. We're, we're trying to be the best that we can. I've still been praying that this is a great opportunity for families to seize these moments together and just start, just try to to be obedient to these commands, to, to train your family and to worship together in this way. I've said it before, if nothing else, if God uses this this really difficult time in the world and in our country, if he uses that to help our families worship together more, uh, praise be to God. Amen. My prayer would be that we as a church would honor Psalm 145, that one generation would commend his works to another. And like I mentioned earlier in Ephesians, that fathers would raise their children in the love and instruction of the Lord, and that DSC would be known for raising oaks of Mm. righteousness Mm. for his namesake. Mm. Amen. Amen. That's good. Well, brother, uh, thanks for being with me this morning. You've been listening to the Desert Springs Church Podcast. If you would like more information or updates about what we've got going on here at DSC, go to our website, dscabq.com. We'll try to have another one of these next week. Until then, I'm Chase Jacobs, and on behalf of Drew Hodge, let's keep spreading God's glory broader and deeper. Editing is such a wonderful thing. Nothing is real, is it? More better. More more better, best. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat>